Welcome to the Jeff Reinbold Show. It's December 1, and we have a great show for you today because I'm bringing on my guy, my buddy, Bucky Brooks, longtime NFL scout, has worked for uh, a number of clubs around the league, played in the league, was drafted very high by Buffalo, played in Green Bay. Um, he is, and probably the greatest compliment I can give any guy is that they're, he's a football guy and a real football guy. So I'd like to welcome to the show my buddy Bucky Brooks from NFL Network. Welcome to the show, Buck. Hey, man, appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. All right. Now, when I say football guy, you're a legit football guy because, you know, you're just not a talking head on TV. You played the game at the highest level. You coached the game. You, you were in personnel at the highest level. And while you're doing your thing at NFL Network, you made the decision to go back to coaching. And you're coaching at Granada Hills High School in Southern California and having a, as they say in the business book, a modicum of success. A <laughs> uh, little bit, a little bit, Jeff. So high school uh, coaching has always been something that I was very passionate about. Uh, growing up, um, my high school coach, Earl Smith, back in North Carolina, was one of the more impactful uh, people in my life, the way he carried himself, the way that he organized the team, the way that he led young people, the life lessons that we learned playing up under him. My dad joined his coaching staff after I left. And so uh, being a product of a high school coach, it was always something that was near and dear to my heart. Uh, my original plan uh, after playing ball, I was going to be a high school coach and teacher and try and pay it back like those kind of paid me back coming along the way. And so my life took a detour in terms of like doing scouting and chasing media stuff, but I never could uh, resist that temptation and allure of being on the sideline. And so I had an opportunity years ago to be a high school assistant, but the main thing was always to eventually have your own program and see if some of the things that you learned along the way, if you could apply them and if they were worth. And so four years ago, I had an opportunity to take over as a head coach of Granada Hills Charter. Uh, this year we won the CAF championship. It's the first time the school has won a CAF title uh, since 1987. And so, look, man, it's been great. It's been great not only as an individual accomplishment, but watching these young people kind of hang on your every word and having those things that you pour in their head actually come to fruition. That's been the best part of it. You know, for the, for the viewers and listeners that don't really have an appreciation for high school football in Southern California, Granada Hills has some tradition. John Elway went there. Jim Mora was a graduate of the school. But it had fallen way off the map. And you went in, Buck, and resurrected it, and you did it in a kind of unique way because now these are not mad numbers, ladies and gentlemen. These are real live football numbers. You won the CIF championship last week, and that's, that, that's the regional championship for your part of Southern California. And you rushed, ladies and gentlemen, right? Barry Switzer somewhere in Norman, Oklahoma with a big smile on his face because yeah. you for 500 yards in a championship football game. How in God's name, Buck, were you able to pull that off? So it's funny. It's, it's great that you actually brought that up. Like Oklahoma and Nebraska, those teams growing up, like they were everything. And Oklahoma in particular with, you know, I grew up a fan of Barry Sims and, and, and those guys and how they used to run the option and all of that stuff. And when Oklahoma's was whack, when they were waxing people, putting 60 points up, they were doing it out of the bone. 
And you know, it's hard to be a, a team that is dominant like that, putting 60 points up, running the ball. That that speaks volumes about it. But you also know in football, the teams that can run the ball and play defense, they have a better chance of winning championships because in building a program, you want to give your team the best odds of being able to have sustained success. The running game and defense and the kicking game, they do those things. And so when we took over the program, one, we didn't have a quarterback. There wasn't a quarterback in the building. There wasn't anybody that could throw the ball. And if we did have someone who could throw it, I didn't have anybody who could catch it. So at some point, you have to do ultimately what's best for the kids. And so we found a way to to run the football. We had some talented kids kind of show up in the neighborhood and be a part of the program. And, man, those kids have been great. They've been running the football like crazy. Uh, When we started, we had a bunch of kids who had never played football. Most of them don't play before they get into ninth ninth grade. And so running the ball and, and teach them how to pull and kick out and all those things has been great. And so it's funny when you talk about the numbers, the numbers are what they are. But if you think about, Jeff, and you'll know this because it'll blow your mind. In 13 games, 5,400 rushing, t- 5,400 rushing yards. I think we had 70 rushing touchdowns. So, oh. so if you talk about running the football, the kids have kind of bought in. And you look, I mean, I, I hear the screens from the stands, throw the ball and doing this. So it puts pressure on you as a coach. You got to win it this way. But it's been a lot of fun and the kids like it and the kids have had a ton of success. And so when they have success, they don't really knock the methods. Well, you know, you know, you came to training camp and coached with me in, I think it was 2019 and, and did a a phenomenal job. And it was great to sit around and, you know, talk story and talk ball, you know, and, and I, I remember at that time, you told me the story about your high school coach, how they created a run first, mentality out of the double wing and I'm going to say this to all the coaches who are listening out there and this is unsolicited you need to get in touch with Bucky because they are doing some things out of the shotgun with the double wing and like take us through Buck your signature play where you're running like I have never heard of triple pullers running same side counter Coaches, listen to this. Okay, so, like, it's funny. So now, man, you you almost are making me give away the secret sauce at, at Mickey D's. You know what I'm saying? Like, most people don't do that. But uh, it, it's funny. So back to the story about my high school coach. So my high school coach, after I left. Now, let me be honest. I did not play in the wing tee. Because being a wide receiver, that would not have been the move. At the time, we played in a traditional offense. We threw it around the yard. I caught a bunch of passes and scored touchdowns. It was a lot of fun. However, after I left, um, he decided to become a wing T program and they had a lot of success. And as my dad would say, the first three letters of the wing T are W-I-N, win. And so they were on me as a high school coach. Hey, man, you need to run the wing T. You got to run the wing T, yada, 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 yada. So studied it, learned it, did some things. And so our signature play, we run what is called a counter. We call it super counter. And so same side counter where the the running back is on the side of the quarterback. He takes three jab steps, then he goes back in the direction that he came. But in the meantime, the opposite guard comes and kicks the first thing that he sees on that side. The opposite tackle pulls through and around. The offset fullback takes a jab step and pulls through and around. And then the backside wing back, who's attached to the tight end, he also pulls through and around. So you got one kick out, Three pullers coming through. They clean up and sweep. We're all foot to foot, so they're able to get there. And when it when it's working and clicking, 
Uh, it's a lot of physicality and it's a lot of bodies hitting the floor when my guys come through there. Oh, I, if you're the backside line, if you're the back, you know, the linebacker who's going to try and get over the top when he sees the pullers come, all of a sudden there's three pullers. He got to be going, dude, can I get some help back here? I mean, it's like, you just oh, it looks like that sometimes. It looks like that sometimes. Sometimes when, uh, when we're pulling everybody through and you can just see the little, the little bodies like just flying out of there. Um, it is something, and it's really funny because we kind of made some tweaks and additions to it where we added the extra man, the backside wing back late in the year. And when we first did it, uh, one of my guys in the back was like, Coach, what was that? I was like, oh, we just, you know, that's an extra. They're like, holy smokes, that's crazy. And look, man, it's been one of those things. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to go old school. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Jim Harbaugh. I watched how he built the program at Stanford, and now you look at what they're doing at Michigan. And there's no frills, uh, no thrills. They're coming right downhill at you. And it's the essence of football because football is about toughness and physicality and blocking, tackling, running to the ball, protecting the ball. And so we're able to do that. And we've uh, become pretty good at doing it in a very simplistic fashion. Now, ladies and gentlemen, those are the words of a second round draft choice wide receiver out of North Carolina to the Buffalo Bills. Just think about that it's all about winning buck let's talk about you know you, you gave me a perfect segue when you talk about hardball and we went to michigan this year and they did that to us i mean it was just <laughs> I, I don't got back through the story but i'm going to tell you michigan tcu georgia usc you live in southern california you know the impact of the usc program obviously those are four great football teams. How do you see the CF, you know, the college football playoffs going? Well, I think the one thing that you see the common denominator, all of those teams, not only are talented, but as level of toughness and physicality that you see when you watch those teams play, they may do it a little differently. Georgia and Michigan do it in more of a traditional old school way where they're going to hit you with them old school run. Uh, they may spread it out, but you know what's coming. It's coming right at you between the tackles. TCU is talented. And Sonny Dykes has done a great job taking over that program. I mean, you talked about taking it to another level. He's done it very, very quickly in terms of how they're doing it. USC is the team that is in there that everyone gets enamored with what they're doing on the perimeter. Their quarterback is outstanding, Caleb Williams. They're throwing the ball to a bunch of talented receivers. But if you know Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley is the master of the GT counter. The way that they ran the counter at Oklahoma, the creative things that they were doing with the GT counter in the read game, the bubble screens, the fly motions, the look one way, quarterback counter going the other way. He hasn't fully done it all at SC, but you know it's there. And for him to be able to take over that program in a year one, have them in that conversation, hats off to them. And then you still have those other traditional powers lurking, Ohio State, Alabama, and so it's about big boy football. It's about acquiring talented players. And it's about putting them in a system where, hey, man, you can challenge the other team's manhood by testing their, their, their toughness and their courage down after down after down. You know, I think it's, you brought up a great point. You know, we're looking at in the top four teams in the country as it stands today. And we got to get through the playoff games, you know, the conference playoff games. But if it was today we were going to the playoffs, you got two first-year head coaches of two in SC's case, a program that when we were growing up was one of the pre preeminent programs in the, in the United States. Pete took it back to that, but then it slipped and they didn't, could never seem to get over the hump. 
Lincoln Riley comes in and he's got them in the top four in the nation. And then, as you said, Sonny Dykes, I mean, TCU was a five win football team a year ago. And now, you know, you watch them. And the thing that I see when I've seen them play is exactly what you talked about. There is a toughness about TCU that is unique and rare. And I think it's going to be a great playoff. I want to go buck now to the national football league again, where you played and where you scouted and coached. And uh, I want to ask you about a guy who wore that, that light blue, that Carolina blue, just like you did as a college player. And it's been kind of a lightning rod issue in that Jeff Saturday, who played center at North Carolina, then came and, and was great center at Indianapolis for a number of years, I think 12 or 14 years. I think he was 14 years, went to the playoffs 12 times, was named the interim coach of the Indianapolis Colts when they fired Frank Reich in the middle of the season. And it really caused a lot of, you know, it, it uh, garnered, let me just say it this way, it garnered a lot of media attention. Your mm -hmm. take on Jeff Saturday being, you know, anointed, who has one year of high school coaching experience, head coach in the National Football League. Yeah, no, this is uh, it, it's an interesting thing because it's a scenario that you normally don't see, particularly in an interim head coaching role. If he was just named the four-time head coach, yeah, you see some some different hires and those things. But to be an interim coach where things are going on and you kind of drop him in is different. I'll say this, though. I'll say I'm excited for Jeff, uh, not only in terms of being a Tar Heel, but being a former player. Um, the fact that a former player has an opportunity to be a head coach, sometimes former players don't get those opportunities because they don't necessarily come up the ranks in a traditional manner. This is certainly a non-traditional uh, path to be the head coach. He did coach high school football, so he does have a level of understanding of just some organization. High school ball is not pro ball, but he did have to lead a group. He did have to make practice schedules. He did have to organize and delegate and do those things. I think the one thing that Ursay, Jim Ursay, was looking for when he brought Saturday back, he wanted someone who knew the building, meaning yeah. a lot of times when you fall on hard times, if you've been a team that's won a lot, you're looking for someone who knows the tradition, who knows what it was like when it was at his best. The one thing that I know about Saturday, having played up on the Tony Dungeon, those guys, when they had a lot, Tony Dungeon and Jim Caldwell, they had a lot of success. He knows what winning looks like in that uniform. And having played for not only Tony Dungy and Jim Caldwell, Howard Mudd, he was going to do a couple things that had been successful for that franchise under time. One, he was going to simplify everything. If you know Tony Dungy and Jim Caldwell, their coaching style, simplification is everything. I want the guys to play fast. I want them to know exactly what to do. If you know what to do and how to do it, man, we can win a lot of games. Howard Mudd, toughness. We're going to be tough by any means necessary. Might get a little edgy, a little chippy, and everyone thinks about those Indianapolis teams as they throw it around the yard. They still had a level of toughness because they could run the football. Edrin James, Joseph Adai, the other running backs that played for them, they could run the ball. And so even though Jeff may not have had all of the X and O's, the schematics, the experience calling timeouts and doing all that, head coaching is about being able to come up with the vision, being able to articulate the vision, being able to tell my assistants, here's what I want, here's how I want it, what it looks like, being able to communicate that same vision to the players 
and then holding everybody accountable for all of the stuff that we see on Sundays with the big old play sheets and play cards or whatever. The head coach's job is to say, this is how I want the team to play. I need you guys to get them on board to play that way. And I'm going to hold everybody to that standard. Jeff Saturday can do that because he didn't have to necessarily coach in the National Football League to do that. Now, if you're going to tell me he's going to be the coordinator and all that, that's different. Head coach oversees all that. And I think whether people like it or not, they look different under Jeff Saturday than they did previously. So I will give him credit for that. I think you can see that already. And I thought, Bucky, you know, there's a YouTube thing floating around where he actually addresses that. And he talks about, hey, if you think I don't know what preparation is or what work looks like or what winning is he said I was I went to the playoffs 12 or 14 years when I was here right so he does have some experience on his staff that he can lean on and I think exactly what you said when I watched him coach his first game I didn't see a play sheet in his hand right Mm -hmm. now he was on the headset managing the game which is what the head coach does on game day but I I I frankly hope it works for him. I really hope it works for him. Another guy I'm hoping it works for is a kid that I'm watching. And, and Mike Tomlin, who I think is a great head football coach, made this comment after this past week's Pittsburgh game uh, against the Colts. He's talking about Kenny Pickett. You know, and there was a lot of questions about Kenny Pickett when he came out of Pitt to the point of ad nauseum about whether his hands are too small and all of the things that we chew up as we go into the draft. But you've watched that young quarterback develop each week that he's been in that starting job. Where do you think his ceiling is, Buck? You know, it, it, it really depends because, Jeff, if you talk about treating quarterbacks and, and breaking them up in this category, I kind of break them up in two categories. They're either trucks or they're trailers. If a quarterback is a truck, he's the one that's carrying the team. Hey, man, I'm the dude. I'm going to make sure I elevate all you other guys. You get, in, you get in the back, I got you. Or he's a trailer where the rest of the team carries him along. He manages the situation, and they win games because the pieces around him are outstanding. I think he falls into the latter category right now. The rest of the pieces need to be great, but he's smart enough, tough enough, and savvy enough to win games. The one thing that I can tell you about him is early in the year, I saw him in preseason. They were playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was on the call. He comes in the game. They hadn't done anything on offense with Mitch Trubisky. He comes in the game quickly, six for eight, 100 yards, touchdown. He is standing in the pocket looking down the barrel of a loaded gun. They got a blitz pressure coming right at him. They hit him right in the face. He delivers a teardrop for a big play. And in that moment, I said, oh, he ain't scared, and it ain't too big for him. The other thing that I noticed, the teammates gravitated towards him. When I think about Kenny Pickett, it reminds me of these guys that we've gone to the park playing basketball, right? And you look at this dude playing pickup. You surround him with four guys, any four guys. His team is always on the court. Kenny Pickett has these intangible qualities where guys like playing for him. And sometimes, man, the intangibles can outweigh the physical traits when it comes to the dynamic of the team, he has that, which is why I think Mike Tomlin loves him. It's also one of the reasons why the Steelers might be a little better than we thought they would be with the young guy under center. Well, I'm, I'm going to go to another young quarterback that I've watched develop and you, you use your, your truck or trailer 
you know, analogy, I'm going to say this guy is a Ferrari with a hitch on the back because he is <laughs> best. And I'm talking about Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. And I, I think, Buck, and I came into the, I came into the year with a kind of show me attitude about the Eagles. But as I've watched them, that offensive line's outstanding. I think Sirianni's doing a great job with his quarterback. You talk about play design and, you know, creativity and building an offense around the skills of what you have. And then they go off in the offseason and, and improve the receiver room big time. What's your take on Philadelphia? Uh, they're legit. They're legit for a few different reasons. Uh, one, let's talk about the quarterback. Uh, when Jalen Hurst was coming out, um, having known him from high school, meaning watching him in the Elite 11, which is a quarterback camp series, uh, that we see some of the top quarterbacks come through there. Trent Differ used to lead that uh, before being anointed the head coach at the University of Alabama, Birmingham, which is a cool story. Um, Jalen Hurst came in, and I would tell you, uh, Jeff, we've been around guys who are the Pied Piper, meaning when they step in the room, you look around and you just happen to see five or six guys just hanging on to every word. True alpha competitor, true leadership personality. Jalen Hurts has that. Son of a high school coach. So he understands what it should be, what it should look like, that enough humility to always make it about the team, not him. Learned that, obviously, from his dad as a high school coach, spending time in Alabama, did it. Remember, if Deshaun Watson doesn't make the throw that he made, Jalen Hurst is probably the most outstanding player of that championship game that Clemson ended up winning. I think people forget how good he was as a freshman right out the gate. Loses his job to Tua Tagovailoa, but still comes in in a key moment and shines. Does the same thing, goes to Oklahoma in a different system, leads them to a high level. So this guy's a winner. Everything we talk about is he's winning. Comes in as a second-round pick. They're supposed to have a franchise quarterback there in Carson Wentz. But because of his looming shadow, Carson Wentz falls apart as a starting quarterback. The guys gravitate to Jalen Hurts. He wins games. So now this year, all the pressure is like, oh, you got to replace him. Is he good enough? We're going to give him everything. And the only thing he's done in his three years in Philadelphia, he's gotten better and better as a player. He's become a leader. Not only a leader, he was always a leader. But now I feel like the team has his personality humble yet confident physical tough he's a quarterback who really runs it like a running back but yet he still doesn't take big hits and so I look at this team and the complex offense that they're running with the zone read power read quarterback stuff but a traditional drop back passing game Jeff they are they are a handful like Sunday night he went from 150 and 150 throwing and running and just is a dominant player. And I don't think any of us saw it coming for a guy who's a second round pick who many questioned whether he could throw the ball well enough to play in the league. Not never, I would say, come that fast, nor, you know, you think about it, Buck. I, I, I do not believe that that's ever been done before in the National Football League, a 150 150 performance. And, you know, you go back to Michael Vick, you go back to, I mean, you go back to Bobby Douglas if you want. You, there's been guys that can run you know, run around and make plays, but not make plays in both aspects of quarterback play, throwing it and running it like he's been able to do. I, I agree with you. I think they're a legit. Let me, let me, let me, but let me, let me, because because I know you can go to another thing, but Jeff, just think about this and how everyone in the league now has to change. Cause it's not only Jalen hurts. All right. It's Lamar Jackson. It's Josh Allen. You're now looking at Justin Fields. 
Let's talk about Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray. The game is undergoing a revolution at the quarterback position where it's not only, hey, man, I need my quarterback to have some athleticism. It's guys are taking runners at the position and saying, you know what? He can't necessarily throw it the way that I may like, but he sure can run it. So let's build our offense around what he can do. And let's make these defensive coordinators defend what coaches have been defending at the lower levels for the past two decades. These athletic playmakers that are giving you fits with their legs. And maybe it changes the way that we evaluate the position and the way that we view the position in a 10-year mold. Maybe it's not, A, the quarterback's going to play 15 years, but you know what he can do? He can play eight good years as an athlete, and maybe we make our team a little more collegiate in terms of, oh, we draft one, we get another guy that is as athletic, and they graduate, then the next guy ascends to the starter, and we continue to do it. It's harder to find the traditional Tom Brady's than it is to find the guys that are like Jalen Hurst and Justin Fields and the like. You know, it's interesting, Buck. What a great comment. And I'm going to go to the Monday night game that I did uh, live from New Orleans between the Ravens and the Saints. And it was all on display that night because the Saints are built to beat Tom Brady. They're not built to beat Lamar Jackson. And Baltimore, you know, for the criticism that sometimes they take, um, they are a handful if you're coaching on defense because of all the things you talked about. All of this, Ricard is like guard playing fullback. And now all the counteractions, you know, and then when it got down to it in the last three minutes, when they had to win the football game, they had to put it away. Who handled the ball? Oh, number eight. Number eight, Lamar Jackson. Exclusively. Exclusively. And the Saints didn't have an answer. They didn't have an answer. As many good defensive players they have, but they're built to rush the passer and play zone, right? They're not built to play those RPO schemes and handle the quarterback on the edge and all of it. So I think I agree with you. I think that's the direction it's going. When you look at we see it every week in college football. The guys who can make off-schedule plays are the hardest guys to defend. Right. The guy that's sitting back there seven yards deep, you're going you're going to be able to get after him. Now, the guy that's well, where's he going to be? Not exactly. That's the tough guy. Hey, I got to We're going to we got to close it down. I'd, I'd sit here and talk to you all morning if we could. But you're going to Laguna Hills this weekend for the re- we're, what, what? we're going to Laguna Beach. We're going to Laguna Beach this weekend. We're playing a very talented team down in Laguna. They won their section of the CIF. I think it was the first time today I've won in 76 years. Uh, really good program, a program very much like ours that, look, man, they built it from scratch. A lot of good kids, a lot of um, a lot of talented kids that are homegrown. So this would be a great test for us to, one, get out of the city, uh, to see a different style of ball down in Orange County, and to have an opportunity to win a regional championship, man. That, what, what more can you ask for? Well, if you win the regional, when you win the regional, then it's on to the states. You got a chance. You're two games away from being a state champion, Buck. And in the state of California, that's that's saying something. So best of luck to you. Thank you for coming on the show. Always a pleasure, man. Anytime we can chop it up on the on the on the broadcast or off the broadcast, it's always a pleasure. Man, it's Good always luck. great, man. Thanks so much, Jeff. All right. Aloha.